You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. Maybe there's some people here that have set a goal on um, growing in your relationship with the Lord and, and walking, walking closer with the Lord. Maybe that's your goal. And I just want to give some practical uh, handles on how we can do that. So have, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again, and let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So let me just open in prayer before we get into the message. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible faithfulness. Lord, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't fear any evil because you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your blessing in our lives. Thank you for your word and thank you for the promises that you give us through your word. Lord, this morning, we just want to hear from you. We pray that you'd help us to understand what we are reading about. Give us revelation. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Come and speak to us this morning. Come and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I've spoken about maturity in the past and used terms like fruitfulness or uh, ripeness or perfection. And it's in the sense that when an apple has grown to maturity, it's ripe and it's perfect. It's ready to be eaten. And uh, there's an illustration in John chapter 10 about the vine and the branch. And I'm sure a lot of you would have read that, uh, that section of Scripture And it's all about fruitfulness resulting in our connection with the Lord. Out of our relationship with the Lord, fruitfulness is a result. Uh, Fruitfulness, or should I say uh, God's fruitfulness in our lives, is never the result of our own efforts. It's never the result of us looking inwardly, trying to find the good within ourselves, trying to do self-help and all that kind of thing. It's always out of our relationship with the Lord. However, however, fruitfulness is not automatic as a Christian. There are Christians who are not fruitful and there are other Christians who are very fruitful. So it's not an automatic thing. There are some things that we can put in place in our lives to be more fruitful or to be less fruitful. And this morning I want to look at why this is. Why is the writer of Hebrews saying to these Christians, leave the basic things and go on to maturity. If it's an automatic thing, why would he say that? Why is he saying, uh, move on, do something? It's almost like he's saying to these guys, hey, you need to do something. It's not just uh, spend a bit of time with the Lord. There's actually something they can do. And if you read the the full passage in John chapter 10, you'll see that it's God's desire not just for us to bear fruit, but to bear much fruit. That's God's desire for our lives. So how does this happen? Practically, how how can we aim and grow into mature believers? Are there things we can do? Are there decisions we can make? Are there truths that we can stand on? So let's have a look into it. 
the first thing I want to say is this. The, the amount of fruitfulness or the kind of maturity that we see in our lives is going to be determined by the interaction of these two factors. On the one hand, it is what God makes available to us. However much God makes available is what we can work with. If he makes nothing available, we can't do anything. If he makes a lot available, we can see a lot happen in our lives. That's just logical, amen? And the second thing is how we respond to what God makes available. Because he can come and say, here's all the supply. It's in this garage here. Here's the key and you might never use it. So in other words, all the supply is there, but your response has, has determined that you're going to get nothing. Okay? Make logical sense? It's, it seems to me, <laughs> thanks, Trev. <laughs> One person's listening. It seems to me that uh, having a fertile heart is a really key component in uh, the amount of fruitfulness that we're going to see. And if you read the parable of the sower, which we just gonna, I'm going to just touch on now, uh, the condition of our hearts determines the kind of fruitfulness that we're going to see in our lives. Uh, if our hearts are in a poor condition, the Word of God can actually be lost. If our hearts are in a really fertile condition, we can see a crop that yields up to a hundredfold of what God sows into our lives. So the first point I want to say is that our response to God determines how fertile our heart will be. Your response to God will determine your fertility, should I say, in terms of fruitfulness, in terms of growing in the Lord, in terms of maturing in God. Our response makes the difference. It's not just the seed that gets sown. Because in the, in the parable, Matthew chapter 13, you can read it for yourselves, verses 1 to 23, the farmer scatters the seed everywhere. Some of it falls on the path, some of it falls in the rocks, some of it falls on thorns, and some of it falls on good soil. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is God's word, and it is perfect. So the seed isn't the problem. The problem is the condition of our hearts, where it lands. Are our hearts like a path? Are our hearts like rocky soil? Are our hearts full like weeds or thorns? Or is our heart a place of good soil? That's going to determine the fruitfulness or the maturity in our lives. The seed fell on the path. That's when we don't understand God's word. So if we hear something and we don't understand it, it's as good as nothing. That seed is wasted, says the birds come, they take it away. The enemy comes, takes it away. I've often joked about talking to people and saying, how was church last week? And they say, wonderful. What did the guy preach on? Can't remember. <laughs> the bird came and took the seed away because there was a lack of understanding. If we don't understand, we can't apply God's word to our lives. That's why it's important to get a Bible that you can read and understand. Get it in a language that you can understand. If you, if you don't speak English as a first language, get the Bible in your own language, in your first language. Read it in that. No good reading King James if you can't understand the English. It's as good as me reading a Japanese book. It means nothing because I don't know a single word of it. 
So find a translation that you can read and that you can understand, and God will speak to you through that. Matthew 13, verse 23, tells us what the good soil represents. Sorry, we had the path, the rocks, the, the rocks, the, the, the plant started growing up, but it withered because it had no root. And uh, the thorns, uh, the worries and cares of the world are the thorns, and they choke the life out of the Word of God. So the Word of God did take root, it started growing, but because the person was so worried about the things that go on in the world, the life of God was choked out of that seed. And then finally, the good soil produced a crop of 30, 60, and 100-fold. Matthew 13, 23. This is what the good soil is. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So in order, in order for us to be fruitful, in order for us to grow in God, in order for us to see the, our character change and as God pours himself into us and we grow and we develop and we change into being more Christ-like, we have to truly hear God's word and we have to understand it. But I want you to notice that there are three levels of harvest. There's some people that produce a harvest of 30-fold. Then there are other people who produce double that, 60-fold. And then there are other people who produce a harvest that is more than both the first two categories combined. 30 and 60 is 90. These guys produce 100. That's what's possible in the Lord for someone who truly desires to grow in God. Luke gives us a little bit of extra insight into this parable. Luke 18, sorry, Luke 8, verse 15. It says, And the seeds that fell on the ground, or sorry, on the good soil, represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, who cling to it, and who patiently produce a huge harvest. So the kind of heart that is a fertile heart is a good heart and it's an honest heart. And I think for us to really grow in God, for us to mature in God, we've got to be honest. When we're meeting with people and we're talking with them about how we're doing in the Lord, be honest. Don't try and impress them. Don't try and pull the wall over their eyes and say, yeah, I'm doing great and all this kind of thing when actually we're struggling. Someone who's really honest, someone who has a, an honest assessment of themselves can grow in the Lord and say, look, I do desire to grow in God, but I'm really struggling in this area. Not, oh, everything's okay. If everything's okay, then you stay where you are. <laughs> but an honest heart, not covering anything up. Not only that, but how we deal with God's word is important as well. Hearing the word. Position yourself to hear God's word. That's why it's wonderful to see you guys here today. You've come here to hear God's word. You, you've put yourself in a place to be exposed to the word of God. If you never come to a meeting, if you never read God's word, if you never uh, meditate on God's word, never come to church, never come to any kind of meeting, you're never hearing God's word, you're not going to grow. <laughs> hearing the word, clinging to it. Retaining it so we don't lose it. 
And then having patience, persevering in what we're doing. The question that I think this parable presents to us is how much do I intend to produce? How much do you intend to produce? How, how far in your journey of maturity do you want to go? 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times? See, the decision is totally ours. One thing God won't do is he won't make that decision for us. He's given us free will. He wants us to decide. What do you really want? How, how much do you want to grow in the Lord? And that decision will affect how fertile our heart will be. A fertile heart is the result of being honest, having a good, good intention, hearing God's word, understanding it. Is there a desire in your life to really move on with the Lord? Is there a desire this year to grow in the Lord, to mature in your walk with Him? Are you willing to see any area of your life radically changed? That's what God's saying. Added to that, there are two truths that we really need to believe. We have to think about this and go, do I really believe this or don't I? First of all, God wants all of us to be fruitful. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God really wants you to be fruitful? Or is it just some Christians, just a certain group of people? They're the fruitful ones, but I'm not one of those categories. God wants every single one of us to be fruitful. And the second thing is that God has made full provision for us to be fruitful. There is no lack in what God has supplied in order for us to be fruitful. We're never going to go to God and say, Lord, I really desire to mature. And God says, oh, actually, it's a bad time for me at the moment. Cupboards are bare. <laughs> Been in lockdown. Supply chains are all falling to bits. I've got to wait a month before I've got stuff to give you. Never. God is, has full provision for us all the time for us to grow in him. God wants us to be fruitful. We can see that from Genesis chapter 1, right in the beginning. When he makes humans, what does he say to them? Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And God's purposes don't change. It's still his will for all of mankind to be fruitful. Now the fall messed all that up, but in Christ it's been restored. It's now possible for us to walk in that fruitfulness that he intends for us to walk in. Colossians 1 Look at what Paul prays for the Colossians. Colossians 1, 9 to 12 says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow. As you learn to know God better and better, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power 
so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need, filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. So just have a look at that scripture. God wants us to produce every kind of good fruit. It's not just, okay, praise the Lord, you know, you, you are bearing fruit in uh, joy and kindness, but patience is lacking or self-control is lacking, and God says, it's okay, as long as you've got these two fruit. No, God wants every kind of good fruit in our lives. All of it is this wonderful inheritance for us. And it says we will grow as we learn to know God better. We'll be strengthened. We'll be strong in the Lord. When, when difficult seasons come, we can stand firm because we're strong Christians. We're strong in God. We're not strong when the sun is shining and we all fall apart when it's raining and miserable and down and all that kind of thing. We're strong in the Lord no matter what the weather's, weather's like. Amen? That's what God wants for us, with endurance and patience. So we're trusting God, even though we don't see what we're trusting Him for now. But we believe it, and we're absolutely convinced God is going to do it. That's maturity. Immaturity is, God, you know, I need this from you. Five seconds later, well, you never gave it. I'm out of here. This stuff doesn't work. Maturity is trusting God, even if it's years. <laughs> Look in the Bible at guys like Abraham. Promised, he, he was promised Isaac as a son, and he waited 25 years for that to happen. <laughs> That's where God wants us, enduring, patient. <laughs> That's what God wants to do in our lives. But we've got to believe it. We've got to believe God actually wants me to be fruitful. He wants this living, breathing relationship that we have with the Lord to permeate every area of our lives so that we're fruitful in all areas, so that we're growing and changing. Not to come to God and say, yeah, I'd like to be a better person in this area, this area, this area, but these things, yeah, I'm not really interested in changing. I kind of like, I like these areas the way they are. <laughs> but if God is good, if he's perfect, his will for us is perfect, we've, we've got to believe that and say, God, I want everything that you have for me. The second thing is that God has made full provision for this to happen. There's no lack on what God has provided to see us grow, to see us be fruitful, to see us mature in him. 2 Peter 1 Verses 3 to 4 says this, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I just, I love that. I love that it's by God's power. It's not because of something else. It's not because of any circumstance. It's the power of God. It's His power that has made it possible that we can have everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. It's through, only through relationship with him. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. 
These are the promises that enable you to share in the divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. God's total power has given us everything we need to grow in him. Through the knowledge of Jesus and through the promises that he's given in his word. The results of accepting these promises and standing on them and believing them, walking them out in our life, is that we participate in the divine nature. God's very nature is poured into us and we start becoming more and more like him. We start thinking like him. We start being kind because God is kind. Being good because God is good. Being patient because God is patient. It's not like God's saying, I want you to do all this, but I don't have to. No, it's his nature that he's pouring into us and transforming us with. And the second thing is we escape the corruption that is in the world caused by evil desires. God has made it possible for us to do this. He's made full provision for us to achieve or live the very best life that we could ever hope to live in God, to grow into mature sons and daughters of the King. But the question is, do you want to mature? Do you want God's best? Because one thing God won't do is make that decision for you. Our topic is aiming for maturity. How we respond to the Lord is really important. It's not our own efforts, but our response is important. We're not looking to ourselves. We're not looking inward. and We're not saying, I need to be a better person. I need to be more patient. I need to do this. Let me try this. Let me put some things in place. No. We're coming to God saying, the provision is with God. And I'm going to believe you and I'm going to receive that. I'm going to speak that over my life. Walk in that provision. And then the third thing. It's really important that we desire the very best in God. Now this is an area where it's, this is going to determine whether you walk in that hundredfold uh, harvest or 60-fold or 30-fold or no harvest. If there isn't a desire. Derek Prince said this, if you want God's best, then want God's best and settle for nothing less. The problem is we settle for less. We want God's best. And then, oh, it's too hard. I can't endure. I can't be patient. I've waited five hours already. I'm, I'm giving up. We settle for less. <laughs> it's the choice is ours. You can, there's many examples in the Bible of, of, of people who have chosen to allow God to work in their life and you can see major change. But for me, one of the standouts is Jacob. Jacob was a guy that started off, when you start reading about him in, in, in Genesis, he's a bad egg. He goes around deceiving people. He even deceived his own dad. His own brother stole his birthright. His, his name means the deceiver. <laughs> And this is, this is this guy, Jacob, and his brother, he's actually a popular guy. He's a man of the, he's a hunter, and he's like a man of the soil. He's like, yeah. 
He's just uh, what you see is what you get kind of guy. He's, I imagine that in his circles, Jacob was the guy no one really trusted, no one wanted to be around. Esau was the guy you wanted to chat to. But God's estimation is exactly the opposite. Because the scriptures say, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I hate. And you're like, whoa, what the heck? Jacob. God loves Jacob, but he hates Esau. What makes the difference? Paul comments on this in Romans 9, verse 10 to 13. Romans 9, 10 to 13. It says, And not only so, but when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that the purpose of God's election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. See, before they were born, God told Rebekah that Jacob would actually lead Esau. But what did God see in Jacob that he approved? He had foresight into what Jacob was, his character. And what did he see in Esau that he disapproved? The one basic reason that God says to Jacob, I love that guy, is that Jacob desired God's best for his life. He wanted God's blessing on his life more than anything. <laughs> And Esau was the opposite. Esau's major problem was indifference. He just didn't care. He was the oldest son. The birthright was rightfully his, but he didn't care about it. He thought, I'm hungry. All I want is my bowl of lentil soup. What good's a birthright to me? I'm hungry. I'm starving. And he said, that birthright is meaningless. And God says, I hate that about you. You don't care about spiritual things that are really important. But Jacob did. Even though he had his issues, even though he had his sins, and even though he was the guy that most people probably didn't like. Most people would have said, that guy, he's the bad guy. God's, does, God doesn't like that guy. He likes this guy. And God says, no, no, no. That guy cares nothing for spiritual things. And this guy, yes, he's got his issues, but at the end of the day, he really does want God's best in his life. He wants to grow. He wants to be fruitful. Hebrews 12, you can read it for yourselves. We don't have time. Hebrews 12, 15 to 17, shows us what God thinks of indifference. In fact, God classes Esau as amongst the sexually immoral. And as far as I can see in Scripture, it doesn't actually say that Esau went down that path, but God puts them in the same category. And he says, I hate that. This guy cares nothing about spiritual things. What happens is, is that they fight. Jacob is separated. He has to basically run and escape for his life. And then after, I think it's something like 20 years or something that, he returns. He's come back and he's very worried that Esau is still out for revenge, for him stealing his birthright. And 
and that Esau is basically going to take his life. So have a look at this, Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to close up with this. Genesis 32, 24 to 28. Jacob meets with God and he wrestles with God. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said to the Lord, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now this is a guy, he has wrestled with God all night. He has hung on so long, the only thing God could do is put his finger on his hip and break his hip to try and stop him. This is a guy who is determined to get the best from God. He's determined to get fruitfulness. He's determined to, to receive everything that God has for him. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, this is the Lord, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven or wrestled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. You see, this, this, is, the, this is the heart. This is the good soil that produces a crop. This is, this, is the, this is the characteristic that God is looking for in us to say, are you really going to grow? Are you going to move on with God? Do you want God's best? And will you settle for nothing less than the very best in the Lord? Will you wrestle with this? Will you wrestle with the Lord? Jacob was a wrestler. And he had this key principle. He wanted everything good from God. He wanted all of it. Anything that God had to give him, he wanted it. God had, uh, Jacob had many character flaws, and God never condoned those flaws, but he actually worked on them. When you, when you read the account of Jacob's life in Genesis, you can see a change. Yes, he starts off as all this deceiving and that kind of thing, but there's a change that happens to, to Jacob as he goes on his life, and he ends up really thanking the Lord. He, he says, I left, I left my brother basically with a stick in my hand, and I've come back. With so much blessing, it fills two camps, cattle and servants and, uh, you know, children and all that blessing of God on his life. He had so much from God and he recognized that it was God that gave it to him. He never, he never took it by force. He never tried to trick, trick, you know, God to get it to happen. And he's thanking the Lord for what he's done. There's a change that happens. Maybe this year you have a desire to grow in the Lord. Maybe that's one of your, your desires. Respond to the Lord. Respond to the promises of God. See, faith is alive when there's action. It's not just believing. It's standing on the truth. It's saying, okay, God, you've promised that you're going to do this. So I'm choosing to believe it. I'm going to stand on this truth. I feel right now that you're very far away, but your word says you never leave me, that you walk by my side. So I'm choosing to believe that. I'm trusting you for a breakthrough in this area. Your word says this, 
and I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to believe that. That's responding to the Lord. That's going to produce fruitfulness. That's going to grow us in our maturity with the Lord. Then believe in God's full provision for you. Believe that if there's, if there's something that you need and you're praying and praying, I really, want to, I really want to implore you to read the Bible. Sometimes I've got to a situation where I've been so desperate in my life to hear from the Lord, I just said, okay, I, I need a word from you. I need you to speak into this situation. And I just opened the Bible, I think it was Psalms or something, and I just started reading Psalm 1, Psalm 2, Psalm 3. I got all the way into like 30 or 40 Psalms later, and God spoke. But sometimes that's what it takes. You get alone with God, and you like Jacob, and you say, I'm not leaving until you speak to me. Until you do something in my life, I'm going to hang on, and I'm going to persevere. And then the last thing is desire the very best and don't settle for second best. <laughs> if you want to mature in God, don't settle for immaturity. Don't settle for, oh, okay, at least I'm saved. At least I'm just going to get to heaven. Don't settle for that. Desire the very best in the Lord. Desire to be close to God. Desire to know Him more. Desire to understand His Word. The difficult passages in Scripture that maybe you don't understand. Desire to know them and say, God, come and teach me. Come and help me understand these things. And you are going to walk in incredible fruitfulness. And I'll guarantee you, if you will look back on your life and you will say, it was all worth it. Thank you, Lord, that I made the sacrifices. No one's going to get to heaven and say, praise the Lord, I watch so much TV. Man, praise the Lord, I spend hours every day on YouTube. No one's going to say that. But they're going to say, thank you, Lord, for all the time that I spent with you. All the time that I read your word and I got your truth into me. All those times I stepped out in faith and I saw you come through. All those times where I reached out to other people, shared your word and saw their lives transformed. We're all going to be very thankful for that. Amen. <laughs> so let's desire God's best and not settle for second best. Amen. Let's stand. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. 